If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. This is Football 24-7. He's John McMullen, and I am Tone DeShields II, and this is Jacob Sports. Make sure you guys smash that like button. Make sure you guys subscribe to the channel. Make sure you guys are commenting below. We know you guys love to talk y'all trash. We know you guys love to give John McMullen a lot of grief. Whenever he what? gives it a pick. <laughs> yes, John, you know they love to give what? you grief. <laughs> I don't pay attention to it, so I don't know. <laughs> I'm the exact opposite of Jalen Rager. <laughs> You're screaming into the abyss. The complete opposite of Jalen Rager and AJ Brown, right? Yeah. <laughs> Those exactly. guys, man. They 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 find they find reasons to respond to the fans. But man, you guys, uh today was a hot one uh at training camp. It's day six of open training camp for the Philadelphia Eagles. And today was from what I heard. Very up and down, especially for the offense, John. So please, uh, can you elaborate and just, you know, share what your observations were from today's uh, training camp with the Philadelphia Eagles? Well, not too much up, mostly down um, right back to where we were before the the best offensive practice of of camp, and that was on Tuesday. yeah, bad performance by the offense, but this time there was at least a little bit more context, a little bit uh, – right. it, it was kind of understandable because Jordan Mailata was out with a concussion. Andre Dillard was out with a concussion. Um, and we knew Andre didn't finish practice on Tuesday, so we knew something uh, was wrong. He didn't look you know, injured from uh, – a a leg standpoint, arm standpoint. So it makes sense now that it was a, a concussion. But, um, you know, that means your starting left tackles down, your backup left tackles down. LaRaven Clark was taking the first team reps at left tackle. Um, uh, Coyote Awasika was taking the second team left uh, snaps at left tackle. Um and the Eagles defensive front dominated, particularly against that side. So um, it's tough to play offense in this league. I say it all the time, if you can't block people. And they couldn't block people today because they didn't have their two top left tackles. So um, understandable they struggled a little bit uh, offensively. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to know what you what you saw out of those uh, those two guys, uh, LaRiven Clark and uh Coyote, I was uh, I know you indicated that the defensive line was able to get through a lot, but um, you know, offensive line depth is important, right? Uh, once you get beyond Jordan Milata, 
Andre Dillard, you know, God forbid something happens to those guys midseason, um, you know, where do we turn? So I'm curious to know what were your observations of those two guys specifically? Yeah, I mean, if you, you know, there's nobody in the NFL that could be down to their third left tackle and be comfortable. Um, you know, LeBraven Clark is probably as good as it gets and um, he's a veteran guy. He's played a lot, started games right. for Indianapolis and you know, he's not good. Um, you know, there's a big drop off uh between Jordan Mylotta and Andre Dillard, and never mind Andre Dillard to LaRaven Clark. So um, you know, that's one of those things where if that happens, and you saw it a couple of years ago when the Eagles had so many injuries on the offensive line, you kind of raise your hands and go, Oh, we do the best we can, but um the Eagles have more depth than anybody else on the offensive line, but that doesn't mean you can play the third string players and assume they're going to play like Jordan Mylotta and Lane Johnson. It doesn't work. And though. I mean, it's expected, right? For any team, you get down to your third left tackle, your yeah, third right tackle. It's, it's to be expected, right? Yeah, you're 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 done. The average NFL team is done if they're down to their third left tackle. Some of them don't have one. So <laughs> some are done with their starting left tackles. They can't block anybody. So and the Eagle has two of the top 32. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. So and they both happen to get a concussion on the same day, and they'll both be back. So, you know, it's nothing to worry about in the long term. Uh, but you know, for the short term, one practice in a hundred and five degree real field temperatures, uh, it wasn't good for the offense. Today, correct me if I'm wrong, today was the longest practice they've had, right? Yeah, surprised me. I was, ex I was expecting to show up, and I got there a little bit late because I was going too long with Jody and, and Rick Saratella <laughs> this morning. So I walked on the field a little bit late and uh, saw Dom DeSandro, the Eagles uh, security guy, and he's the one who usually gives me the heads up on the schedule and how long the practice was going to be. And he said, two hours. And I said, two hours. Are you kidding me? Going back to uh, the Andy Reid days. Yeah. Um, it was, and it was scheduled for one fifty, So just under two hours, they actually want one forty-six. but um, longest practice of the summer. So they didn't back off the heat at all. They, they moved up practice an hour. So, they did do it from that perspective to try to get, you know, as much relief before it got really, really hot. But um, they, they went, they went an hour and 46 minutes and that's as long as they've gone. So I'm curious, right. You know, Nick Sirianni has this new red, green, yellow practice. And what's been your evaluation as to how the players have responded to this new philosophy he has, uh, do the players respond better to the green days, the yellow days, the red days? Um, I think it depends on the player. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's some that like, um, light practices and, and others love to practice and others really like the old school sort of mentality. Um, but you know, I don't. I've said a lot. I don't. That to me, it's an organizational decision. It's it's not a Nick Sirianni decision alone. The Eagles have done this cost benefit analysis and said, you know, 
you don't get a ton of time to prepare anyway. So let's get our key players as healthy as possible for week one, September and 11th in Detroit. I kind of agree with that sentiment, by the way. But, you know, there's going to be some sloppy football early in the season. But there's sloppy football everywhere early in the season. So the NFL took away that fourth preseason game. I'm assuming because of that – well, not because of that, but I'm assuming that week one, week two sort of function as the extended preseason? Yeah, if you're lucky, it's week one and week two. Could be week three, could be week four. Probably not till you get to the second month of the season. Um, no. They've been playing college football for a long time, and they don't play preseason. So they show up and play right away. Um, I don't, I don't think you need preseason games. I think the bigger issue is practice. I mean, practice is scaled back dramatically from what it used to be. Uh, the number of practices, the length of practices, you don't need preseason games. I mean, they're, they're really more of a detriment than anything else. Um, except from a financial perspective, um, but you do need practice, and and um, there's less practice than ever before in the NFL. And they gave that up to get 17 games and eventually 18 games, and that's what you have. So you have guys kind of playing into sort of football readiness in season. So you're a believer that you don't necessarily need preseason games. I've never really thought about it from that perspective. I mean – I've always looked at it as these young guys get an opportunity to play live action football, but the games aren't as meaningful, right? You know, you, you know, uh, coaches have an opportunity to try some guys out, you know, see how, you know, see how fast they play when it comes to game speed, things of that nature. I've, I don't know. I, 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 I may, I may, I feel like I disagree with you on that, John. That's fine. It's, a lot of people disagree with me on a lot of things, but you know, <laughs> from talking to coaches, you know, Doug Peterson used to tell me when he was explaining it, um, coaches value joint practices more than preseason games. And Nick Sirianni takes that to a whole nother level. But the reason why is you can script um, what happens in practice. You can't script what happens in a game. So if you want to work on red zone, for instance, well, you got to help hope you get into the red zone in a, in a, in a, in an actual game atmosphere. Uh, you can just script it, say, we need red zone work. Let's go do red zone work. Um, could be hurry up, could be third down, uh, could be uh, four minute offense, could be backed up uh, off the goal line. Um, anything you could script it. And you can work on it. In a game, you have to hope it comes uh, uh, comes to pass. And, um, you know, these are not real games. So they're not valuable from that standpoint. Um, and you can evaluate young players in practice. And you could probably evaluate them better in practice for that same reason. You can script. If you want to look. If you like a young player, if Tone DeShields likes a lo young player and you, you want to see um, um, Tate Gowan against the first team, well, you can script it and you can see exactly how much, how many reps, 
it's it's actually easier to evaluate young players in practice than preseason games. You know, I, I understand your perspective, right? I, I get what you mean as far as being able to put guys in specific situations that you can dictate essentially who they go up against. You, you pretty much have control, full control top to bottom to how that scenario should, you know, potentially play out. But there's something to be said, right, about when things – aren't scripted. Isn't that the beauty of the live action game? I mean, personally, I believe Jalen Hurts should play in a preseason game. And then I want to use this as as an opportunity to talk about how he played today uh, in training camp. But, you know, that's the beauty of the live game. It not being scripted, you know, guys having to respond to adversity when you don't necessarily know, um, you know, what's on the other side of that, what's on the other side of that door. Right. So, I mean, isn't there something to be said about that? Well, by scripted, I don't mean, you know, like WWE, I don't mean the outcome is predetermined. <laughs> right, uh, practice right. is not scripted. I mean the period is scripted. So well, that's what I, well, I'm sorry. That's what, that's what I meant by scripted. As far yeah. as the no, the, well, the, that's the what scenario I mean, being set the up. Difference. So the plays right. in the period are not scripted. The, right. the defense is is trying to stop the offense. Right. And look, the joint practices are a big part of this as well. You want to get your feel against other teams because uh, you get used to each other. And that's why Cleveland and, and Miami will be very, very important. Um, if you didn't have those, I might agree with you that preseason games become a little bit more important. But, I mean, the Eagles aren't playing their starters. They True. just aren't. I'm, I mean, last season, I couldn't believe they didn't play Jalen Hurts, to be honest. You know, it, he, he was a completely unproven young quarterback who played four games at the end of his rookie season. It wasn't all that effective. Um, And they treated him like he was Aaron Rodgers. And by the way, Aaron Rodgers played some preseason, very little, but some. Um, But, you know, I've kind of come across to the Eagles side of thinking. There's no, there's no point to it. There's nothing to gain from it. You're not going to learn anything about the entrenched players. Um, now, could you find somebody on the back end of the roster? I've, I've always said there were two, two coaches who gave me conflicting uh, philosophies about the preseason. Two very good coaches. One was Marv Levy. Went to all those Super Bowls with the Bills, um, and he he did not care about preseason. So the Bills, for you know, year after year after year, going to the Super Bowl, uh, best team in the AFC. Go back to those years; they would get thumped in the preseason because they didn't play anybody. They didn't care. Uh, they were just trying to find three the fear three or four best players they had for the back end of their roster. That's all they used the preseason for. And then there was Dennis Green in Minnesota who believed winning was a habit, and that made sense to me. And he didn't try to win preseason games. Um, In other words, if he was losing, he wasn't putting the good players back in to win the games. But he was always trying to win the game. With the, with the players he had, with the third stringers, the fourth stringers, because he thought winning was a habit and vice versa, losing is a habit. And if you get too used to it, all of a sudden 
it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. So I get kind of both sides of it, but that was also a different era. Um, in this particular era, it, I've heard more than one coach say, we don't have enough time to prepare like we want to prepare anyway. So let's get to week one as healthy as possible. Understood. So it's kind of it's kind of a cost benefit analysis. Now coaches will never say that in public um, <laughs> because you know they like to portray and they always no sell the lack of practice time. You see it all the time. No, no, we have plenty of time. Denard Wilson was talking about it last week. Well, you know, if it was talking, somebody asked him about the lower corners on the roster. The Eagles have 12 corners, I think, on the roster at last count. And the, the like the Josh Blackwells of the world and the Josh Jobs of the world. How do you evaluate those guys? They're never in practice. And when they are in practice, it's against the third team. How do you evaluate those guys? And Denard Wilson said, well, if they get two reps, they got to show up for those two reps. And I'm mm. like, well, that's great to say, but, I mean, come on. It's a rather, it's a, it's a rather small sample size. Yeah, you're not going to learn anything. Now, they'll play a lot in the preseason, so maybe we'll learn something there. But, again, they're playing against play- – they're not playing against – in other words – if, if, if Josh Job is playing against A.J. Brown, you're going to get a good indication, you know, is he even remotely ready to play? He's never getting a rep against A.J. Brown. Never. Never. It doesn't work that way. So how do you evaluate these players? It's harder to evaluate players now than it used to be because you don't have the same amount of time. Hmm. So what was your evaluation of Hurts today? I mean – like I said, offense didn't really wow anyone today. What was your observation of Jalen Hurts? I mean, it wasn't good, but I, I gave you the context. I'm not as concerned right. with today as other days because, you know, the pass rush was there in his lap pretty much the whole day. Um, there's some concern. And, and seven on sevens, there on two occasions um, – He didn't get the ball out. Um, And, you know, there's no excuse for that. And that happens too much. Um, And and the only reason that's a concern for me is um, you're – remember, in seven-on-sevens, there's no pass rush. So, essentially, they're just blowing the whistle at the end saying, all right, you're holding on to the ball too stinking long. You got to get rid of the football. This is not realistic. So, they're shutting down the play. And that, to me, is an issue because, you know, he was a little late throwing the football last year on on far too many occasions. And we've talked about not trusting what he sees. And the football's got to come out of your hand on time. And it's certainly in seven-on-seven drills, which are designed for the offense to succeed, basically. Um, that that part is a little bit of a concern. That happens way too much. Yeah, I mean, we're singing the same songs from last season, hold, holding on to the ball too long, um, not being able to find guys, waiting for guys to get open instead of throwing them open. I mean, it has to come to a point where these improvements have to start to show. 
uh, the pressure is only going to continue to mount. And again, you know, we, you and I both know Hertz isn't really a practice player. And he's one of the more fascinating players to evaluate because of his play style. And I guess my next question would be because of that play style and because of Nick Sirianni's affiliation or effectuation rather with Phillip Rivers and players like that, uh, are you seeing Nick Sirianni try to, I guess, coach Jalen Hurts up to, you know, to get that passing to that next level, to get those fundamentals, that footwork, to get that, to get that processing speed up to another level? Yeah, I, well, I mean, yeah, they're trying. I mean, that's all they talk about. And, you know, I'm kind of leaning towards, I had this discussion with Adam Kaplan on the sidelines today, as a matter of fact. You know, I, I think the Eagles need to build around Jalen Hurts. I don't, I, you know, you mentioned Phillip Rivers. That's a good, uh, a good name to throw out there because Nick Sirianni and, and, and Shane Steichen love Phillip Rivers, love him. Um, he's not Phillip Rivers. I, I, he's never going to be Phillip Rivers. He's a different type of player. There's things that, um, you know, Jalen obviously can't do that Phillip Rivers could, but there's also vice versa. And there's a lot Jalen Hurts can do that Phillip Rivers can't do. And I'm at the point where I'm saying, look, the Eagles got to go full Baltimore Ravens here. They got to build the offense around the quarterback and the quarterback's uh, unique traits and unique skill set. Um, I think everybody defaults to the assumption that the Eagles want to throw the football more because that's Jeffrey Lurie, and he's been talking about it for years, and that's what he believes. Um, I'm going the opposite direction. They need to build on the success of last. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill season um we saw um what this team looked like when they were pass heavy in 11 personnel and it wasn't good take advantage of the best offensive line in football when jordan mylott is out there take advantage of the plus one in the running game that jalen hurts affords you um and then you know make big plays in the passing game when they're there but to try to turn Jalen Hurts into Phillip Rivers, you're going to fail. And that begs the question, are they the right coaches for him? I mean, when they brought in Nick Sirianni, they clearly brought him in to try to, I guess, appease Carson Wentz. I believe that was the move. Uh, Carson Wentz was still on the roster at that time, and uh, Nick Sirianni was supposed to be, I guess, the heir apparent to Frank Reich to try to, I guess, build that bridge. But it, like, it makes you wonder – is Nick Sirianni the right coach for a, a guy like Jalen Hurts with that kind of skill set? Um, I, I don't know. I think Nick did a pretty good job of um, building around him last year in season. I give Nick a lot of credit for that. It's interesting to me. You know, Nick is a young coach. Nick doesn't have 
the cachet of, you know, the Bill Belichick's of the world or the Andy Reid's of the world. He can't just go in and say, all right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. He's got to sort of serve a few different masters. He's got to make Jeffrey Lurie happy. He's got to make Harry Roseman happy. He's got to make his team happy. He's got to win games. He's got to make the fan base happy. Uh, and 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 it's a very difficult job. It's a very difficult juggling act. So this so is where you have you, this. So let me ask you this, John. I'm sorry to cut you off. I need to ask you this then. In that case, since he doesn't have the cachet, let me do a slight hypothetical. If he did have the cachet, do you believe? Do you believe Nick Sirianni would try to placate to hurts his strengths more if he had more control? Like, would, would, do you think he would try to really focus or really try to really try to hone that? Yeah, he did it last year. I mean, when we get to the regular season, Nick Nick has already figured Nick is going to do what what Nick believes he has to do to win games when he gets to the regular season. Okay, but the problem is. He's going to try something else to begin with um, in the hopes to placate some of those other masters I was talk I was talking about. Now, if Nick was had the cachet of Bill Belichick, which is hard to imagine, but if he could do whatever he wanted to do, he would build this offense around Jalen Hurts. And then in the offseason, he'd be looking for a better quarterback than Jalen Hurts. But until he got one, he'd be trying to maximize what he has as much as humanly possible. Now, the Eagles are going to throw the football. They're going to throw it to A.J. Brown. They're going to throw it to Dallas Goddard. Hopefully, they're going to throw it to Devontae Smith, who was out with a groin injury today. Um, They're going to throw the football. Those are three very, very talented receivers. Um, If you had Phillip Rivers, that's the way to go. That is the way to go. No doubt about it. They don't have Phillip Rivers. They have Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is better at different things. Why not take advantage of that? Yeah, I completely understand. So to close this point on Jalen Hurts, even though there was a handful of bad, what were some things that did stand out to you uh, about Jalen Hurts today that were more so on the positive? There were some good throws in individuals and in seven on sevens. Um, Jalen Rager uh, got deep again in in individual work and beat James Bradbury. That was good. Um, really? Yeah, I mean Jalen Jalen's talented. <laughs> I know people hate when I say that. Um, there, you know, there's you you. There's something for your practice argument, Tone, because there's no pressure in practice. So, you know, one of my predictions pre-camp was Jalen Rager's going to have a great training camp because <laughs> he's he going to play. He's going to play against second and third team corners for the most part, and he's just got more talent than they do. And there's no pressure. Um, and he he's out there making one-handed catches, and he's beating one of the best corners, and he's having a great camp. And, you know, then we'll get to the regular season. We'll see if it carries over, but which it probably won't. But um, I lost. What was the question? I lost the original question, and I got on my Jalen Rager tangent. 
it's uh, ba- basically, um, were there any throws uh, on the positive side of things? For oh, Jalen Hurts so that was one of them. Um, boy, there weren't, yeah, there weren't a lot. Um, it was not uh-huh. good. It was not good. Gardner Minshew had the play of the day. A nice Andy Reid-like shovel pass to Noah uh, Togiai in uh, red zone work, which was perfect. The Eagles have been really bad at that shovel pass since Andy left. Uh, they ran it to perfection. Um, so that was uh, a highlight. Britton Covey had a good day. Um, you know, I like that fan, kid. I'll be honest. Big, I like that kid. Big, big fan favorite. You know, boy, he's small though. Five foot eight, <laughs> 170 pounds. And they're being generous with that 170 pounds. Mm. He, he, he does not look 170 pounds. But, you know, he got. He, he 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 had some nice catches, um, and he got first-team reps at punt returner for the first time because Rager was too busy with the first-team offense because he was taking first-team reps because Devontae was out, um, and Greg Ward is hurt with a toe injury, and those are the top two punt returners. So uh, Britton Covey uh, got the first-team punt return reps, and you know, when we get to that Jets game, which is coming up a week from tomorrow, um, so it's right around the corner. Um, you know, maybe he'll get a chance to show some things because he's going to play a lot. So, what are the chances this guy makes his roster? I mean, yeah, we still have to get to the preseason games to see what he can do in live action. But I yeah, mean, he's I not, well, he, he's not going to make the roster unless um, Jalen gets traded. Jalen Rager. Um, yeah, it's pretty deep. You know, you have Brown, Smitty, Pascal, yeah, Quez, Quez, Watkins, Jalen Rager. Yeah, it's, 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 it's pretty crowded yeah. back there. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty crowded. Um, he'll, he'll be on the practice squad. But if they trade Jalen Rager, that opens up a path for some of the returners. I like that um, kid, man. Brent Kobe, man. He, his, his, his footwork is tremendous. Yeah. Well, I mean, He's an interesting uh, story. His his grandfather sold like 25 million books. He's like a self-help uh, guru. Well, he passed <laughs> away passed away a number of years ago. Um, you know, he went on a, a two-year mission, an LDS mission. Uh, so he's an older rookie at 25. But he was a great college player. I mean... If I told you somebody had 4,000 all-purpose yards, um, uh, five return touchdowns, um, was three for three throwing the football, he used to be high school quarterback, so he's sort of a gadget player as well. Um, at Utah, you know, you'd say, well, that kid's getting drafted. Uh, Britain would have gotten drafted, except he's five foot eight and 170 pounds. And, yeah. you know, the old Chip Kelly quote, we like big people over small people because big people beat up little people in football. It's <laughs> just what it is. Yeah, understood. So um, let's let's shift to the, uh, the other side of the ball. Earlier in the show, you mentioned uh, the defensive line. They they were just able to get home time and time again. Uh, speak on speak on how much firepower that defensive line is working with and just how it's just been permeating through training camp. Um. It's loaded, the defensive line. It's, you know, there's depth, there's versatility, the point where 
you know, Brandon Graham, by the way, is, you know, he's 34 years old. He's coming off an Achilles. He whipped Jack Driscoll like you wouldn't believe at one-on-one <laughs> drills, um, who was a good young player, ascending young player. And I think everybody, even Brandon himself has said, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to be more of a rotational player, and he seems willing to accept it. I'm, I'm starting to think, like, if Brandon Graham is playing like Brandon Graham, how do you take him off the field, you know? Um, yeah, Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, Jordan Davis, uh, Josh Sweat, Hassan Reddick, because, you know, the, the Sam linebackers are essentially edge rushers in, in this defense. Um, Derek Barnett, which people don't want to hear, but he's a good player. Um, deep and versatile, and they can use a lot of different looks, and, and they're going to use that 5-2 overhang look. Um, when they're not in nickel, when they are in nickel, it's probably going to be the more traditional four-man front that people are used to. So there are guys, and I look at Milton Williams and Brandon Graham specifically, how do you get them on the field? How do you get them for major snaps? They're so deep. They are they are deep and they are good uh, on the defensive line. Yeah, man. You know, Jonathan Gannon has a tall task ahead of him, you know, dealing with this much depth on defense. I mean, I mean, let's 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 be honest. Like this this defense has talent, talent that talent that you can actually win with, if you ask me. I mean, I mean, Gannon was sitting with uh Angelo Cataldi, uh, you know, from WRP. And uh, he indicated that he's in no rush to leave uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, when he said that, I immediately had to laugh because, I mean, you went on two or three head coaching interviews, however many it was, you went on head coaching interviews. That alone signifies that you, you have one foot in, one foot out. But, I mean, you know, you don't want to put the cart before well, the horse. Well, I'm not going to buy, you know, that's that's the industry. Um you know, business, yeah, yeah. I mean, nobody's going to turn down head coaching interviews. Um, and you know, JG had three of them really. You know, he interviewed with three different teams, he interviewed three times with Houston. Uh, he was really close to getting that job. Um, he, uh, he's a, he's a well regarded uh coach in this league, and you know. Maybe maybe the best chance for the Eagles to keep them is teams don't like hiring defensive uh, people to be head coaches. Um, those guys are behind the eight ball to begin with. Most teams want offensive-minded um, head coaches. So it limits some of the options. Um, he's always going to get interviews because he's, he's so well-regarded. He comes across so well. Um, to people, he's a good interviewer, uh, which is part of it. He 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 can connect with people really quickly. Um, but he's also a good coach, and and you know, for whatever reason, uh, people didn't think so because of the completion percentage and the lack of sacks. And like I would say, the Eagles were the Eagles were such a weird team last year because they were. And I'll have the exact. They were, but they were second to last. Uh, only Detroit had fewer sacks, but they were top ten in pressure. 
percentage. Um, and I think they were, they might've been top five, but they were at least top 10. That never happens. That never happens. And the same year, it was the Vikings who were top five in sacks and bottom five in, in pressure percentage. Right. I'd rather be the Eagles than the Vikings. I'd rather have the, the, the bigger pressure number than the bigger sack number. And that borne itself out because the Eagles were a top 10 defense. The Vikings were a bottom five defense. Um, sacks aren't the be all end all in Philadelphia. They are, but in the real world, they aren't. Yeah. You know, we, you know, we're going, we're getting ready to close the show out pretty soon, but if there's one topic I wanted to broach with you uh, before we get out of here. And then, uh, eventually I want to ask you who gets your, uh, your training camp game ball for the day. But before we get to that point, uh, I was, I was reading your article, uh, about TJ Edwards and, you know, pretty much his journey and, TJ Edwards just continues to flash and flash and flash, you know, in training camp. And he just continues to take his game, his physique, his athleticism to another level, just continues to make plays, just, just is always near the ball. And it got me thinking about something that you specifically said. You said they didn't draft Nicole Dean necessarily to replace TJ Edwards. They more so drafted him to compliment him. And I'm curious to know what's been your evaluation of Dean. Um, I've been hearing rumblings that he's been struggling these past several days. Uh, no, Nakobe hasn't been struggling. It's more of he's learning uh, the defense, um, learning the terminology. And the other guys have been playing so well. Um, not only TJ Edwards, but Kaiser White. Davion Taylor's had a great camp. Sean Bradley's had a great camp. So, uh, the the veteran guys that have been here have played so well, he can't get off the third team. Now, uh, on, on Tuesday, cut a couple first-team snaps at the end because they, they were resting TJ and uh, just worked out that way because it was hot and some people needed a breather. Um, so, you know, they're getting them in and they're getting them in the mix. Today, he had a fumble recovery, um, Jason Huntley fumbled at the end of practice and it was more of, you know, the ball just um, came to him, but you know, it gives you some confidence, but um, he'll be fine. It's just, you know, Jim Swartz used to call him startup cost. You know, I think Nicobe Dean is the victim of uh, weird expectations because I think people, because of what he was in college and, you know, fans were told he was going to be a first-round pick for months and months and months that they sort of act like he's a first-round pick. Well, he's not, you know, and, and he probably wasn't even going to be um, even if he didn't have injury concerns because of his size and um, he's not the best athlete in the world. Uh, he's probably going to be a second-round pick from people I talked to around in the NFL if there wasn't um, issues, injury issues. Um, so these weird kind of off-kilter off expectations, I think he's going to be a good player, but, you know, he's got to go through. Think about Roquan Smith. I always compare those two because Roquan went to Georgia. Roquan won the Buckus Award. Roquan was a top 10 pick because Roquan is big and he's athletic and 
He's been a great NFL player, but he's had his ups and downs. And would you take Roquan Smith? Um, for Eagles fans that don't know him, the answer to that should be yes. Um, but even he had, you know, some startup costs and some hiccups along the way. And he's a far more gifted athletically player. Um, the expectations were just a little bit off kilter, but he'll be, he's going to be fine. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. So uh, as we close out the show, John, I need to know who gets your game ball. Um, I know you, I know you normally give out one, but uh, would you be able to give out a game ball on offense and give out a game ball on defense? Oh, tough to give what on offense. <laughs> uh, I try, I try to sneak it in there. <laughs> defense. Uh, TJ. Yeah. TJ keeps playing, keeps making play. Today, the guy you can't cover had a pass breakup on Quez Watkins. Uh, uh, yes, you heard that right, Quez Watkins. Um, TJ continues to play exceptional football. And if you're going to force me to give one on offense, I'm going to give it to Britton Kobe. Why not? Hey, my man, my man, my man. I'll take it. I'll take it. But AJ you know, made some plays. AJ Brown made some plays and. Uh, one-on-ones and seven-on-seven. So, you know, but he's good. We all know he's good. So let's give it to Britton Kobe. Hey, I'll take it. Hey, look, Eagles fans, you guys heard it here first. John McMullen, you know, make sure you guys smash that like button. It really helps the content grow. Make sure you guys continue to comment below, especially if you're watching this video after the fact. We appreciate all the support in the world. And also, most importantly, make sure you guys are subscribed to the Jacob Sports youtube channel and also if you want more from john mcmullen if you want to read some of his writing if you want to check out uh his reports from the latest uh eagles training camp make sure you guys check out jacobsports.com and real quick before we do go uh town uh jacobsports.com uh paul domowitz making his debut uh today from canton so the hall of fame voter let's go uh so um you know writing about uh dick vermeil going into uh the hall of fame this week and domo's obviously out there because he's a philadelphia hall of fame voter so everyone can check that out at jacobsports.com just wanted to uh Slip that in as well. Oh, no, for sure. I appreciate it. Shout out to Paul Domowicz. Uh Shout out to, uh, most importantly, uh, Dick Vermeil, a legendary Philadelphia Eagles coach. He's a, he's a Super Bowl champion with the LA Rams. Um, infamous for sleeping in his office. <laughs> but, uh, man, um, it's really exciting that he finally is getting to, uh, getting to the Hall of Fame, uh, long overdue. But, you know, again, like uh, John McMullen said, make sure you guys check out uh, Paul Domowicz's debut as a contributor, as a writer uh, for Jacob Sports on jacobsports.com. That's J-A-K-I-B sports.com. But without further ado, you guys were locked in on football 24-7 with John McMullen. I am your host, Tone DeShields II. Make sure you guys smash that like button, comment below, subscribe, one love, stay humble, stay healthy, and most importantly, stay hungry. And we're out of here, you guys. Take care.